You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm talking about all things high blood pressure. You have been fooled into believing that there's no rhyme or reason to your high blood pressure, that it's genetic, that there's nothing to be done, that you have to take medication for the rest of your life. And I am here to tell you that that is complete nonsense and you have been led astray. So on this episode, I'm going to double down on the real causes, root causes of high blood pressure for the majority of folks out there and what you can do about it. So let's jump in. Hey, functional and integrative healthcare practitioners, listen up. I've got something for you. Back in the day, I used to stock an entire wall's worth of lab kits for each specialty lab that I ran on patients. It took up so much room. Each kit had different instructions and it was a very tiresome process. On top of that, I would spend forever having to chase down the lab results once they came in by logging into all the different portals and websites. It was honestly a total time suck and time is money after all. But now there's a better way to order lab tests that I'm excited to share with you. Rupa Health is a tool that lets you order from over 30 specialty labs in a single portal. You can order all the tests that you normally do from companies such as Dutch, Vibrant, Diagnostic Solutions, and more. Rupa eliminates all the headaches by having all ordering, tracking, and results in a single place. And they also handle invoices, tracking shipments, automated follow-up, personalized instructions for completing the tests, and so much more. They can even facilitate convenient blood draws for your patients. The best part about Rupa is that it's free for practitioners. Signing up only took me a few minutes and the website is very user-friendly. Plus, all of your patients' labs can be found under one single platform. Go to rupahealth.com, that's R-U-P-A health.com to join a live demo or sign up and see how it works. And if you're simply a listener looking to order your own labs, I have a selection of tests at nearly wholesale prices that you can check out on my website at drtina.com forward slash labs. When it comes to healthy hormones, healthy menopause, healthy bones, healthy joints, all of it is contingent on good metabolic health. And unfortunately, most Americans are falling short in that department. In fact, nearly 100% of U.S. adults are struggling with good cardiometabolic health. I've teamed up with the folks at NutriSense because I absolutely love their continuous glucose monitor program. They've got great customer service, a great product, a really cool app, and access to expert dietitians throughout the program. At the very least, give yourself the gift of a one-month subscription. If you're really struggling, consider a three, six, or even 12-month subscription. If you use code DRTINA, all capital letters, at checkout, you'll get $30 off your first purchase. And you're going to want to follow the link in the show notes. So first things first, you have been led to believe that your high blood pressure is what's known as essential primary hypertension. Hypertension is high blood pressure. I will use those two terms interchangeably on this episode. And you've been led to believe that that's it. You've got it. That's it. That's the story for you. That's the, how the rest of your life is going to go. And there's nothing to be done. Here, take this prescription and best of luck. I'm here to tell you that that is a lie. And you might be surprised. The real cause is what I'm always talking about, which is insulin resistance and busted metabolic health. That's it. The real cause of high blood pressure for the majority of folks, especially in this country, is busted metabolic health and insulin resistance. That's why you might hear me refer to it as cardiometabolic health, because 
your metabolism can't really be pulled away from your cardiovascular system. The two really go together. And so you'll hear this referred to in, in the studies as cardiometabolic health, and that's really what it is. So hypertension is considered to have no root cause to repeat, and they consider it what, what they call it and what they code it is essential primary hypertension, um, but that's not it. So traditionally, what do they do? They give you medication, which I'm not going to dissuade you from taking. If you have high blood pressure that's uncontrolled, you are having end organ damage. It's slow and steady, but those little capillary beds at the end of the line, so it goes arteries to arterioles down to capillaries, that's what's at the end of your fingertips, that's what's in your skin, that is what is you know, you've got capillary beds everywhere around your organs, those get damaged by chronic high blood pressure. And so we want to use the medication as necessary. But my goal with my patients always is to improve lifestyle primarily, and then we can start to lower, if not completely remove the blood pressure medications. So I'll say this, if you start improving your lifestyle, if you start doing all the things that I talk about, the lifting of the weights, the decreasing the carb, the high carbohydrate diet, this, particularly the ultra refined carbohydrates, the packaged foods, you cut back on refined sugars, you get the soda out of your life, you start going for walks, you get out in the sun, you do all the things, you will find that you need to lower your blood pressure medication. So be sure to check in with your doctor and keep that monitored because what happens so commonly, and this happened with patients all the time, is they would be on a medication and then all of a sudden they started feeling dizzy, they started feeling unwell as they were making the lifestyle modification changes. And that was because the blood pressure medication dose was too high. So I'll warn you with that first. Work with somebody so that you can decrease it safely. And many people were able to discontinue their medications. And that is one of my joys in life is getting people off of their meds, especially blood pressure meds. So the allopathic model is first line of therapy is to use drugs that dehydrate you. So they're basically just trying to dehydrate you so that you don't have so much volume of your blood. The second drug that they'll bring in is to slow your heart rate down, which makes people feel lousy. It makes you tired. It makes you apathetic. It usually makes you move less. And when you move less, you gain more weight and that potentiates the insulin resistance and the busted metabolic health. And so it really is a vicious cycle. And then the third drug is that they might bring on top is to dilate your vasculature so that you don't have as much of a preload afterload on the heart. So what is high blood pressure? It's basically a volume issue. You have a volume of blood pushing through a stiff pipe. And as we age, our pipes get floppier. So it's not abnormal to have your blood pressure go up as you age. And in fact, up until more recently, blood pressure ranges were considered normal at a higher number and they've decreased that. Now, I don't know if they've decreased it because they really are finding end organ damage or if they decreased it because of the pharmaceutical industry push, which is often the case. But either way, we don't want crazy high blood pressure levels. As you age, your blood get your pipes get floppier, right? The musculature that surrounds your arteries gets floppier because everything gets floppier as we age, unfortunately, and it takes more pressure to push that fluid through that hose. So they give you these medications to try to offset the impact of that. And really none of them are treating the root cause. They're just messing with your heart and your cardiovascular system. And there's some pretty nasty consequences to taking long-term blood pressure meds. Although there's some pretty nasty consequences to having you know, unchecked high blood pressure. So 
I'm not telling you to get off your meds, but I want you to understand that there there are con- some concerns. There's some nutritional deficiencies that occur that make the whole thing much worse and on and on it goes. Um, that's not what we're going to get into today. I'm not here to throw the allopathic system under the bus because I, even with the best of intentions, I've seen some folks, especially elderly folks who do need a little bit of blood pressure medication help, and I'm not going to vilify it if it's keeping them from having a stroke, right? Or it's keeping them from having kidney damage or end organ damage or brain damage, really slow and steady, uh, you know, insults to the vascular system of the brain also lead to dementia and other issues. But at the end, the, the, there's not a deficiency of blood pressure medications that's causing the high blood pressure. This takes me to salt, the next thing that gets vilified. It's, oh, you got to cut the salt. I'm going to explain to you at the end of this podcast and episode what salt has to do with it and why that's wrong too. In fact, I give my patients salt. All of my patients are given salt. I like Redmond's Real Salt. They have a tasty salt that is made from an ancient seabed, so it's not been contaminated with plastics and microplastics like a lot of sea salt is. And so I've had good luck with that salt for many, many, many years I've used it. And it's delicious and it it really does help people. But I'll get, so stick around till the end and I'll explain to you why salt's not the enemy. There is a percentage of folks who have legitimate issues that is impacting their vasculature. So they might have kidney issues or some kind of congenital issue or some, some you know, maybe there's a tumor blocking something. There's a, there's a pressure issue somewhere because of illness, pathology, something like that. Those people that, that this is not for them. This is not the information for them. The information I'm going to present will help them, of course, because having your metabolic health under control and having good healthy vasculature is always in, you know, in vogue and in style. But yes, some of you listening, I made a post on Instagram the other day. It got a lot of attention and some people got really mad and said, well, you know, I've had a kidney removed or I had kidney tumors or I've got these, you know, no, this is not, that does not apply to you guys. Your root cause issue is not insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome. Although the chances of you having insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome are very high considering over 94% of US adults have busted cardiometabolic health. So stick around and listen because this information may help you as well. Going back to what I said originally, most of this is actually due to metabolic syndrome. And if you reverse the metabolic syndrome and the insulin resistance, the blood pressure issue goes away and the blood pressure returns to normal. And I have, knock on wood, I have yet to meet a case of high blood pressure that didn't respond beautifully to my suggestions. And my wish for all of you listening is that you enjoy the same after listening to this episode. If you are wondering if you have busted cardiometabolic health, I have a free guide for you. I'll put the link in the show notes. If you just go to drtina.com to my website, there's a button right at the top that's red that says get the free guide. It'll take you to a place where you can put in your name and email and I will send you a free guide which will give you the diagnostic criteria that you can usually check at home with some of the more recent lab work you've had that they run on every physical that you go to. Any doctor any doctor's office is that will run these labs and you can look and you can do a couple measurements at home and you can find out if you have metabolic syndrome. And the guide is for educational purposes only. It's designed for you to take to your doctor and have a conversation with them so that you guys can have that conversation. A lot of doctors are not diagnosing this or catching this. And a lot of people are walking around with metabolic syndrome today. The, the quick and dirty way that I diagnose metabolic syndrome in my office, and I shouldn't say diagnosed, I suspected and I had a pretty good idea that the labs were going to come back to support my hypothesis was if your waist circumference is above 35 inches as a woman, if it's above 40 as a man, you 
probably are headed right into type 2 diabetes. The data from across the world, this has nothing to do with your height. This has nothing to do with your uh, racial background. This has this is consistent across the world. If your waist circumference is higher than that, you are in the red zone. I'll make it even more specific and say, take your height in inches and divide it in half. That's your red flag number. Don't go above that number. So easy math. And if you add to that high blood pressure or any blood pressure reading, you know, 120 over 70 is what's considered normal. If it's above that consistently, especially consistently, and of course I know you go to the doctor's office, you get what's called white coat hypertension because you're in the doctor's office and your blood pressure goes up and it makes you nervous. And I get that that's a thing. Get a cuff, get it, do it at home. It's, they're not that expensive. Check your blood pressure regularly. If you're rocking above 120 over 70 consistently, and your waist circumference is over those numbers I just mentioned, you very likely have metabolic syndrome brewing to some degree. And the third variable I'll add in there is if you're not consistently exercising. If you're not exercising most days of the week and your waist circumference is above the numbers I mentioned and you have high blood pressure, you probably have some insulin resistance and uh, metabolic syndrome happening. The word pre-diabetic is consistent and equals means the same as busted cardiometabolic health equals and means the same as uh, metabolic syndrome prediabetes. All of those are interchangeable terms. Insulin resistance, they're all interchangeable. They all kind of mean the same thing. You're in a particular state where insulin resistance is happening. And go back and listen to some of my other episodes if you want to know what insulin resistance is. I, I go into it more deeply in other episodes. You are prediabetic if you have metabolic syndrome and all of those go together. So not to be the bearer of bad news, very, very common, especially in this country. With that, you will most often have fatty liver and a slew of other conditions that come along with it, starting with high blood pressure. So high blood pressure is a symptom of busted cardiometabolic health slash insulin resistance. It's not a primary issue. All right. If you really want to know what to do about it, grab my metabolic revamp toolkit. It's inexpensive. I've got the link in the show notes and that will get you started. It'll get you doubling down on the most critical pieces that you need to pay attention to and double down on for optimal metabolic health. If you look at some data, and I looked at the National Diabetes Association, I looked at other data through the CDC, and basically over 50% of Americans are obese. If you add in, I'm sorry, overweight, no, obese. And if you add in, if you add the overweight to the obese number, it's a massive number of Americans. Uh, the, the bulk of Americans are either overweight or obese. The, the very few minority is normal healthy weight. And of that group, of the overweight and obese group, somewhere near 86, based on my calculations, somewhere near 86% of those folks have metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance. So it's a huge proportion. There are some people who are overweight who don't have insulin resistance. And there are plenty of people who are thin, right? Quote unquote thin. And really they're skinny fat. We call it skinny fat. Another term is TOFI, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. I've talked about this before. Those folks also have metabolic syndrome insulin resistance because they're basically just fat and bones. They have no muscle. And that group, while being the minority, is in far more danger from all-cause mortality. If you're thin and have insulin resistance slash metabolic syndrome, you are at a significantly increased death of all causes. It's a very, very bad place to be. So 
preferably being overweight and insulin resistance is safer at this point than being thin. And really, why is that? It's because they're frail, right? They have sarcopenia, they have muscle wasting. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm using these terms and people get upset. These are medical terms. I'm just trying to explain what's going on from an objective standpoint. You gotta have muscle on your body, regardless of how much adipose tissue you have, right? And adipose tissue isn't always the enemy. It depends on where the adipose tissue is. If it's in your belly as visceral fat, you really are rocking yourself towards type two diabetes and insulin resistance. So very common and unfortunate. And this is where we are in America. What does insulin resistance do to your cardiovascular system? It does a couple things. So number one, it kind of puts you in a sympathetic state. You've got your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And if you're chronically in the sympathetic state, your vessels will be chronically vasoconstricted. So you're having the, say you have the same amount of water or fluid, I should say blood volume, pumping through pipes that are narrow. That's what happens when you're in a sympathetic state. That can also be due to stress. It all goes together, right? Your adrenal function matters here. Your thyroid function matters here. Your other hormones actually count. And so you end up with this kind of vasoconstricted state that you're in. Things like mindfulness, meditation, exercise, stress reduction strategies. Those are all really, really important if you have high blood pressure. I liken it to, you know, I was, my husband has high blood pressure and he's very open about it and we have to keep it in check. He can tend, he's very calm, but he can tend to anger as can I quickly. And, you know, the old joke, like don't blow a gasket. It's true. (laughs) If you're kind of in that sympathetic state already, Working on picking your battles matters and working on what you let upset you really matters because if you feel your cortisol going up, I guarantee you your blood pressure is going up with it and it's just not worth it. And you may have heard me say this in the past that it's not worth the cortisol rush. It's just not. Some things are just not worth it. And so, you know, people who like to get your goat, if you're easy to be triggered, if you're easy to be angry, all of these young folks who are so easily triggered by everything, they are all going to drop dead of heart attacks, in my opinion, in their 30s and 40s, because most of them have insulin resistance and then they're easily triggered. It's like, learn to pick your battles, people. Learn, you know, It is a Jedi power to remain calm. And I, I have to work on it constantly because I can be quick tempered. Another thing that happens with insulin resistance is that you end up with an excess of this hormone aldosterone. And I'll, I'll get back to it later, what it has to do with salt. But aldosterone basically uh, puts you in a state via kidney, the way your kidneys process it to hold on to fluid. So you're not really letting off your fluid the way that you normally would because you're in a pathologic insulin resistant state. Another thing it does is it thickens the blood vessel walls of your arteries. So your blood vessels hypertrophy or thicken. So now you've got narrowing because of the sympathetic overdrive. You've got thickening because of the insulin resistance and you've got excess aldosterone that's holding onto fluid. So now you're pumping a lot of fluid through narrowed pipes and pipes that don't really move so well because those vessels have become sort of thickened and dense and they're not as pliable as they should be. And then the last thing is that you end up really shooting your nitric oxide production in the foot. And nitrous oxide is the vasodilator. You know, people take that when they are prone to heart issues. They'll take those tablets under the tongue, those little white pellets, and it vasodilates your blood vessels. Well, that system doesn't work so well when you have insulin resistance. Insulin is not your 
vessel, the inside of your vessels don't love being bathed in insulin, nor do your joints. I've talked about that, that your chronic osteoarthritis really is diabetes of the joint. It's, a, it's, your, it's your joints bathing in insulin. Insulin can be a real problem. So that's some of the ways that insulin resistance impacts your cardiovascular system. If obesity is a, a driver and a problem, it's kind of a chicken and egg with insulin resistance. Everyone thinks that, oh, you know, eat less calories, calories in, calories out, you'll lose weight. Yes, and we, we have to address the elephant in the room here, which is everything else matters too. Your stress levels matter, your hormonal status matters, your insulin status matters. If you are chronically insulin resistant, you will just hold on to fat. What insulin does is it sequesters the food you eat as energy and it shoves it into your fat cells. And as it does so, it transforms it into a form that isn't readily available for the body to use as fuel. So it turns it into a form of fat that your body isn't readily wanting to use as a fuel source. So you're, you're essentially taking the foods you eat, preferentially moving them into your, the calories into your fat cells and locking them in without a gatekeeper to let them out. And if the door does get open, it's not in a form that's readily available for fuel. So the body will continue to sequester it. So if someone's in an insulin resistant state, they're going to have a very, very difficult time losing weight. And if they are in a state where they have extra adipose tissue, fat cells, they're going to have a very difficult time getting their insulin resistance under control. So it does start with what you put in your mouth, it starts with how you move your body. It starts with how you mitigate your stress levels. It starts with how you sleep. Just having your sleep messed up for a few nights in a row can put you in an, a transient inner um, insulin resistant state. So you see, this is a chicken and egg phenomenon. That's why it's so important to do all the things as I call it. So grab my metabolic revamp toolkit. I go over that in there. Another tool that I found to be incredibly useful is a continuous glucose monitor. I have been wearing one off and on. I, I try to put one on every few months and I am always learning something new each time I use one. My preferential glucose monitor company is NutriSense and I absolutely love their app. I love the feedback I get from the app. I think it's a really remarkable service that they, they have. And I have found that to be so telling of so many things, but one is stress. And I just did an episode last week about this, but man, when my stress goes up, my blood sugar skyrockets. And so having these spikes in your blood sugar all day is also detrimental and not great on your system. It puts you into a sympathetic state. The sympathetic state puts you into the blood sugar spikes. Again, kind of a chicken and egg effect. But I recently found out that a friend was quite ill and my blood sugar went through the roof when I read it, I was on Facebook and I read it and I took my reading a few minutes later and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't had anything to eat today. And my blood sugar just went whoop, like sky high, tens of points higher than I can even get it when I eat something that should elevate it. Like, you know, if I eat watermelon by itself or eat something like that, that's going to spike my blood sugar on its own without any protein or fiber around it. Uh, this was far more of a spike. And I thought, man, stress is it's insidious. It does a whole thing. But I covered that last week. So you guys can go back and look at that. Keep a close eye on your waist circumference. That's one thing I don't let budge. I have a belt from 25 years ago. And if I have gone up one notch on that belt, and even then I'm trying to get it back down to the old hole because that is a real thing. And it doesn't, for those of you who are tall and don't believe me, 
your waist circumference still needs it. You have no bones there. The only bones in your waist is your spine. So it's not about being big boned. I, I promise you. And some of you want to come at me and shoot the messenger on this, but I don't care how big you are. Your waist circumference needs to be below half of your height. That's it in, in inches that or whatever measurement you do on your height. It, have that, that's where you should keep your waist circumference. That's the high end even. my That number for me is much higher than I keep my waist. I keep my waist, I keep tight parameters on my waist circumference. So we talked about stress, we talked about sleep. Um, alcohol and drugs will definitely put you in a potentially bad state with your blood sugar. So alcohol, whenever I have a glass of wine, it makes my blood sugar really brittle. When I monitor it on my NutriSense, it makes it go up and down. And it's much more aberrant and less smooth of a curve. So alcohol is not your friend, which we've you know talked about that at length. I did quit drinking alcohol for a whole year, just to update everybody, because people always ask. I did quit for a year. It was phenomenal. And now I'll maybe have a glass of wine or two once in a while. And if I make that too regular, I feel lousy. I just feel lousy. I feel brain foggy and lousy, and it's just not worth it to me. So I try to use alcohol to celebrate. And, you know, maybe just have one glass of wine and enjoy myself. I'm not telling you guys what to do. I don't care what any of you want to do or do. Uh, Not my place to judge. Just know that it really does. It disrupts your deep sleep, which is going to impact your insulin resistance. And it definitely screws up your blood sugar. And if you get a continuous glucose monitor and you drink alcohol, you'll notice that. And it does so in the middle of the night. It makes my nighttime blood sugar go crazy, which is very interesting. We talked about adrenal and cortisol issues. Get your hormones checked. Get your hormones in general checked. Your cortisol, your adrenals, your thyroid. I have a an opportunity for you guys to get every everything but the adrenals, um, thyroid, sex hormones, cardiovascular markers, inflammatory markers, markers for metabolic health. You can check that out at drtina.com forward slash labs. And I've got a lab shop where you are able to access these measurements. I am not your doctor and I'm not going to interpret them for you, but I do have education in a portal that you can access uh, for a trial run to see what these mean. And so I want to encourage you, if you have no idea where your hormones are at, it's kind of difficult sometimes to get doctors to check these. And I have access to below retail labs. So just almost at wholesale. So check that out. That's a really great service that I've just started offering. Again, I'm not your doctor on that. It's for educational purposes only. What about genetics? A lot of people ask about that. Well, it's genetic. I would argue that maybe your propensity towards insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome is more the genetic issue than the high blood pressure. The high blood pressure, think of it as a secondary symptom of insulin resistance and metabolic dysfunction. It's it's a symptom. It comes with the package. So in my family, you know, diabetes, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome is huge on both sides. So my genetic propensity is very high for that. And what I will say is what I always say is genes load the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. That's what it is. (laughs) Your lifestyle is more to blame than your genes. So we got to get away from that and stop with this. Well, everyone in my family has it. Yes, everyone in your family has it because everyone in your family probably is rocking some low-grade metabolic syndrome insulin resistance as well. I'm not judging anybody. My whole family does too. There is another factor here that I, I'm going to wait to get an expert on to talk about, but we actually, our blood is not water. It's it's uh, fourth phase water. It's called easy water. It is structured water. And you've heard me talk about this a little bit. I had Dr. Stephen Husey on my podcast. We'll link that up in the show notes. I, I don't know if it's Husey or Hussey. I don't want to miss 
pronounce his name, but he's a great guy and brilliant doctor. And he talked about fourth phase water. Basically, think of your blood like a liquid crystal. We are liquid crystal beings. I know it sounds crazy. It's a whole thing. I need to get I need to get somebody on to talk about this so they can explain it better. But I do understand it well enough to know that if your water is not structured because you're getting too much EMF, too much stress, not enough good nutrients, not enough sunlight, not enough infrared, not enough of these things, your water will become unstructured and you won't have the... It will not work the way that it's supposed to. And our blood is supposed to go, your heart is not pumping your blood all the way to your fingertips. That is the liquid fourth phase water. It's the structured water and it moves like a vortex. And when that vortex isn't working, there's a backload on the heart and it has to work harder. And so having your water structured is so critical. One of the most critical pieces to this is getting outside in the daylight. And looking at the sun in the morning and in the afternoon, you talk, you've heard me talk about horizon gazing. That's really, really critical. Getting out in midday sun. So early day sun and late day sun are going to be high in red light and infrared, and that's going to structure your water. And it's awesome. Midday sun is what's going to give you more vitamin D, more UVB rays, but all of that is critical. So get outside. Have you been looking for an in-home infrared sauna? Look no further. I've done the research for you and I found the one. My sauna of choice is by Sunlighten. They've got 23 years in the business. Their quality is unmatched. They are directly involved with each unit from production, process, start to finish. Their heater quality, it's like surround sound of infrared heat. It feels delicious and not all infrared heat is the same. They've got ultra low EMFs. I know you guys ask about that a lot. It is third-party tested and proven. They've got options for everyone from portable units to walk-in box saunas. You can save up to $600 off your purchase right now when you use the link in the show notes and you mention my name, Dr. Tina. I hope you enjoy your new sauna. It's the best biohacking tool I can think of for walking into winter. Do you ever find yourself with that midday energy slump, feeling tension in your head and tightness in your upper back and neck from sitting at your desk too long? Yeah, me too. I used to chalk it up to desk fatigue and I'd often find myself going for a walk to find coffee and often craving something sweet. I was recently gifted some samples of Element by my buddy Rob Wolf. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. In the past, I've only really used electrolytes when I sauna. I decided to give it a try in the afternoon instead of reaching for my regular cup of coffee. And holy smokes, it's been a game changer. I've noted significant improvement in my energy levels and brain clarity, along with less tightness in my muscles and my head. I've teamed up with Element and they've been gracious enough to offer my listeners of the Dr. Tina Show a free gift with purchase. The free gift element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is the perfect offer for anyone who's interested in trying all of their flavors. My personal favorite is the raspberry salt. They offer a no questions asked refund policy on all orders and you don't even have to send the product back. This offer is exclusively available to Dr. Tina Show listeners. So be sure to use the link in the show notes and take advantage of it now. Head to the link drinkelement.com forward slash Dr. Tina. That's drink lmnt.com forward slash Dr. Tina.
Another way I love to structure my water, of course, is through exercise and most notably sauna. Sauna is a, infrared sauna is a phenomenal way to structure your water. You will feel it. I think this is one of the reasons why when you get out, you feel so tremendous because you literally just re- liquefy or uh, re-gelled yourself. <laughs> you, you, you got your water into a structured state and it's working and it's pumping and there's heat shock proteins and it's phenomenal. My favorite way to do that hands down is with my sunlight and sauna. It's a walk-in cabinet. They have different sizes. They have different fancy versions. And while I love all of those, uh, the newest version, the Impulse has red light in it and it's incredible. I just have the simple signature two model. It's a two-person sauna. Really, it's just fits me comfortably. I mean, it could fit me and my husband for sure. We go in together, but then I just like to sauna by myself. But when I feel like, I, man, I need to structure up my water, I think of it like, you know, in Iron Man, when he put, when the suit goes and it turns into the suit on his body, that's how I feel inside when my water's structuring. That's why when you go out in the sun, you're like, oh, I feel so good. That's your solar power turning on, your solar panel power turning on. Your skin is a solar panel and you're structuring up your water. And the same thing happens when you get into an infrared sauna. This is specific to infrared sauna. So when folks say, can I just go to the steam sauna or can I just go to a dry sauna? You will get some benefit of heat shock proteins and some other things, but you're not going to get the benefit of the infrared. And I am all about that. Some other things that are going to impact your blood pressure, lack of love, lack of joy. Your heart really is made for love and there's broken heart syndrome. It's a thing and your heart starts malfunctioning and it enlarges and people die from it. So lack of love, lack of joy, lack of intimacy, lack of touch, lack of all of those things can I, I believe very much impact your blood pressure. Grief, guilt, poor boundaries, all of these things will impact your heart as well. And not to get too woo-woo, but it's, it's real. So what to do about it? There's the obvious stuff I just talked about. Get your sleep, prioritize your sleep, don't mess around, exercise, move every single day. It structures your water, it's good for you, it gets your blood flowing, it helps work the pipes, it keeps everything, you know, your pipes, like I said, are, your arteries are surrounded by muscle. They have to move. On that note, magnesium, critical, critical mineral. And a lot of people are simply expressing high blood pressure because they are low in magnesium, but the magnesium plays into the insulin resistance as well. When you're low in magnesium, you're more prone to insulin resistance. When you have insulin resistance, you're burning through your magnesium. When you're stressed out, which is going to contribute to insulin resistance. You're burning through your magnesium. And our topsoil in this country is completely depleted. It's been so for decades. There's just not any magnesium in the food you're eating. It's just not possible. It's not growing. Your food is not growing in magnesium replete soil. So therefore your food is not full of magnesium. I am a big fan of magnesium supplementation for all kinds of reasons. It's necessary for so many critical steps in your biochemistry and for it's not about treating any condition specifically. It's about just having your biochemistry work better. I have a product called Relax Tonic that I love. It's in my line. You can find it in my store. I'll link that up. It's got, it's kind of my, it's called Relax Tonic for a reason because it's got all of the necessary ingredients to chill out. <laughs> so you've got L-theanine, you've got magnesium malate, which is specific for muscle tissue. Uh, I love what it does for the body, for the skeletal muscle, and also for the smooth muscle around those arteries. You've got 
I said the L-theanine, GABA, which is a inhibitory neurotransmitter, calms the brain down. So it's just a really nice product to use at the end of the day. I like to drink it in some mineral water in a wine glass. So I have a fancy drink at the end of the day and I, I use it every day. You can use it during the daytime. You can use it in the afternoon. Oh, it's got inositol, which is going to help you manage that blood sugar swing. Inositol has been shown to really have tremendous positive impact on blood sugars and female hormones as well. So I'm a big fan of Relaxed Tonic and you guys can find that in my store and check it out. Of course, lift weights, big fan of that. You guys have heard me talk on and on about strength training. If you want to strength train with me, I've got a whole portal inside my Resiliency University. It's my private membership portal. It lives on my website. It is, uh, I started it in 2020. It's a goldmine library of masterclasses on virtually every topic you can think of, plus a much deeper dive into high blood pressure. There's a whole masterclass in there. And I've got a strength corner in there where I've moved. I had all my strength training in a different portal. I moved it all off there and put it into Resiliency University. So now for one low price, you get everything. And it's awesome. It's a month to month subscription, cancel at any time. And it is just a gold mine in there. We've got a great community of like-minded folks. Walking, is critical. Big fan of walking. I take two walks a day, two 20-minute walks a day, preferably after a meal is going to be best. That really helps get your blood sugars in check. Walking after a meal, old-timey, naturopathic, wonderful uh, pearl there. It's been backed up recently by literature and science, of course. I love when science catches up to what naturopathic medicine is known for decades, but go for a walk after a meal. I have a product called Carb Blunt, which is a berberine product. I take one Carb Blunt after dinner. I go for a walk. That's how I do it. Meditation, mindfulness, again, managing uh, the blood sugar swings and then just being aware of them by considering a trial with a continuous glucose monitor, I think is one of my most favorite biohacking tools that I found is the CGM. It's, it's really phenomenal. It tells you a lot about your sleep, your stress, your nutrition, just your how you're handling things. It's It's pretty eye-opening. And then back to the salt. So when we eat salt, the body senses the sodium increase and it decreases production of aldosterone. Aldosterone is a hormone that comes out of your adrenal glands and it is responsible for holding on to sodium in the kidney, distally in the distal tubule. It holds on to sodium and therefore you hold on to water. So it keeps you from getting dehydrated. It's a pretty critical hormone. In fact, when people have pretty severe adrenal I don't want to say fatigue, but when their adrenals are fried, sometimes they'll be low in aldosterone and they'll sweat all the time and they're just sweating out all their water and they're constantly dehydrated. That's how important aldosterone is. You'll die without it. But when you have too much sodium or you have sodium intake, your body mitigates that by lowering aldosterone in the healthy state, in the non-pathologic state, lowering the aldosterone. So you pee out the excess water and you your blood sugar stays normalized. When you have insulin resistance, that whole system gets screwed up and you don't decrease your aldosterone output. You actually, your aldosterone holds at the levels that it's at and maybe even goes up. And unfortunately, now you're holding on to sodium and you're holding on to water at the end of the day, at the end of the kidney. <laughs> so you get high blood pressure. It's an insulin resistance issue. If you take 
in salt, if you eat salt and it makes your blood pressure go up, I can almost guarantee you that you're insulin resistant and you need to go get that checked out with your doctor. It's a simple blood test. It's easy to do. But if you download my free guide, you can see without running your insulin, you can see if you have metabolic dysfunction. And if you have metabolic dysfunction, you very likely have insulin resistance. They go together. They, it's impossible to differentiate them. And again, it's not diagnostic, the guide. It's just for educational purposes, but it's a start because I want you aware of this stuff so that you can be empowered and you can go have a conversation with your doctor and say, hey, can you work me up for this? So that's it. Um, and then last, I'll just give you a pearl. There's data to show that petting a dog and having a dog lowers your blood pressure. And I don't know if it's because of the love the dog gives you. I don't know if it's because their fur feels nice. I don't know if it's the unconditional friendship. I don't know if it's because you have to take them for walks. But having pets lowers blood pressure and we have the data. I highly encourage everybody for their overall health to have a pet. It is one of the most important things I have seen change the game for people. I have seen it change lives repeatedly, especially with children, um, especially with elderly folks living alone. I My dog is my best friend and you can call me names if you want. I've had people say, oh, well, that's a trauma response. So what if it is? You know, I, I can't help it that I had abuse in my childhood, <laughs> but I can have a dog and she gets me going. She gets me out of the house. She gets me up in the morning and she's my best friend and she's super soft. And that makes my cortisol go down. It makes my stress hormones go down. And that's going to keep my blood sugar at a healthy level. I'm sorry, my blood pressure and my blood sugar. So anyway, on that note, I will leave you. I appreciate you all for being here and listening. If you haven't yet, take a chance, go over to YouTube and follow me there. I have videos up now, so we're trying to keep up to date with all the podcast episodes and get all the old episodes up. So come give me a follow over on YouTube if you want to see my smiling face talk about all these things. And if you have any ideas for the podcast or more questions, you can email us at uh, podcast at drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A.com. And lastly, I would love and appreciate if you could go to your favorite podcast listening software and give me... Uh, you know, subscribe, rate, and review. That would be phenomenal. It's kind of like a follow and it helps get the word out for other people to come on the show. I'm trying to give you guys my clinical brain in a way that's really helpful and simplified so that it's information you can own and information you can share and help change your family's life as well. So I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Do you suffer from IBS or other digestive issues? Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes the all-new health and nutrition podcast, Digest This, hosted by Bethany Ugardi. 
You may know Bethany as the face of the popular Instagram page Lil Sipper, or you may have even read her book. Now you can find her wherever you get your podcasts. On Digest This, Bethany examines topics such as gut health, nutrition, the food industry, and highlights specific ingredients that can be beneficial or harmful to your gut health. She also explores non-toxic options in beauty, home, and cooking essentials. If it has to do with your health, Digest This is talking about it. Each episode features an interview with health experts, doctors, and wellness advocates and delivers you information that is, well, easy to digest. Bethany also delivers a weekly segment every episode called Bite of Knowledge, where she highlights an ingredient commonly used in food, skincare, household cleaning, you name it, and gives you the lowdown on the benefits or dangers that ingredient might have in your everyday life. From Botox, potassium, olive oil, and magnesium, all the way to those ingredients you can barely pronounce on the back of your cereal boxes, Bethany has you covered. There's a reason why it debuted at number two on Apple Podcast Nutrition Charts. Check out Digest This on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.